to Maths Talk by AMC Schools, the podcast that supports teachers and caregivers with making maths learning effective and engaging. My name's Marcus Garrett. And I'm Leanne McMahon, and we're AMC Schools Outreach Officers. This is our third episode in Series 3 for Maths Talk, rolling out over Term 2. In response to the unprecedented move for many schools and students to home-based learning due to the COVID crisis, our focus this term has been on providing ideas and tips for parents, caregivers and teachers as they seek to engage students with maths learning at home. This episode, we're chatting with Jacinta Blenko, a past AMC outreach officer who has worked across in places like Caratha and Onslow in WA and is now a secondary maths teacher at Bendigo South East College in Victoria. Welcome, Jack. Hi, everyone. Nice to talk to you all. Hi, Jacinta. Hi, Hi <laughs> It's really nice to be chatting again, Jack. We miss your smiling face. And uh, of course, we're doing this at a distance via a Zoom meeting, but it's lovely to speak with you. It is. I missed out on coming down to actually do this in person because we all got told to lock down and not travel anywhere. So the focus of today's episode is one which has come from feedback we received from some of the online Maths Talk Twitter chats we have each Thursday evening at 8pm Eastern Standard Time, which are hosted by our colleague Cass Lowry. The topic is, why is it important to give kids and young people the opportunity to talk and explain the maths they're working on, rather than just us focusing our efforts on telling and explaining to them? This is something we confront as teachers on a daily basis, encouraging kids to talk about the maths they're working on and thinking about, and then remembering to listen to the kids, rather than just talking at them or seeking to explain everything. But as parents working at home alongside their children, as they learn through online or distance education, it's important to learn about this maths talk and how it contributes to learning. So we're going to start by asking you to tell our listeners a bit about yourself, Jack, what you've done over the past five years, what you're doing now, and what your special interests in mathematics education are. I was an outreach officer for MC last five years. My main area to work in was in Karatha in WA. And I loved flying over there and working with somewhere between nine and 12 schools, seeing the growth that they achieved over five years. When I finished with AMC, I decided to go back into the classroom. I wanted to look at broadening my secondary experience. So was applying for secondary schools in regional areas and picked up the job at Bendigo South East College. So now I'm teaching year seven to 10 maths at DSE, Bendigo South East and enjoying it, or I was until we went into lockdown. <laughs> You'd find that a fair change from teaching primary kids, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a different challenge for me, but one that I'm enjoying embracing and learning a lot, even in the eight weeks that I was working directly with students and now in the weeks that we've had doing remote and flexible learning. Not homeschooling, Jack. Differences between homeschooling, distance education, and what we're doing now, which the department calls remote and flexible learning. It sounds like semantics, but we think the distinction is actually really important because as soon as you say homeschooling, I guess it raises the expectation in a lot of parents that they've got to replace what their teacher is doing and that makes life very difficult for kids and very difficult for parents too. That's why I threw in that hospital hand pass because I did want to make it very clear that what our students are doing now is not homeschooling. The parents don't have to sit down and prepare lessons and correct their work and deliver the lessons. They're there to support their children. 
and teachers are working very, very hard to try and give students structures and lessons and the outlines of what they're going to do and set all that up so that students can develop some independence in their learning, particularly the older students, and try and make the load as easy as possible for everybody who is working from home. Well, I think that leads beautifully into our first discussion into the importance of language and vocabulary. And of course, we're focusing on math. Jack, how important is language and vocabulary in the study of maths? Vitally important. Everything that we do, our way of communicating is through language. We need to be able to explain what we're doing in maths and how we're doing things in maths to really bring out the understanding of the mathematical concepts. Maths is often described, in fact, as a type of language in that it has its own set of rules and its own set of words that are used within a mathematical context. Definitely. I remember when I was studying, what was HSC then, Year 12, we were recommended to study either a language or music or mathematics because of the way that it helped you to think and interpret things in a different form of language. So obviously building up that mathematical vocabulary is a really important thing. How can teachers and parents encourage and help kids to build their mathematical vocabulary? The first and easiest way is just by being aware of the vocabulary that we're using in mathematics and making students aware of that. And teachers do this in different ways. We have word walls in classrooms. We, students have vocabulary builders or their own sort of dictionary written down in their maths books. We highlight particular words and the way that they're used mathematically when we're working on different topics. And these are things that parents can do as well. What about talking about problems in maths and how we're solving them? Why is that so helpful for most kids and adults to be talking through the way that they're solving a problem rather than just writing it down and teachers or you know adults just looking at their working? Why is the talking part so important? Anytime we're solving a problem, any sort of problem, the most effective way of doing it is through talking, whether that's a personal issue we have or a maths problem or a science problem. By talking about it, we clarify our ideas. Sometimes we come up with new ideas, developing a deeper understanding. By putting things into words, we're thinking about whatever it is that the concept is, and that helps deepen our understanding of the concept. Our natural instinct when we've got a problem is to ask questions. We need somebody to help us work out the answers to that questions. For our maths learning though, we don't want people giving the answers directly. We want to talk about how to find the answers, why we're doing what we do to find the answers. Without having the language and the vocab to explain what students are thinking, They get stuck in this, and we've heard it many times as teachers, when you ask them, how did they know something? Oh, I just know it. And they need the vocab and the language to be able to explain what their thinking is. And it's a hard thing to develop in students. And if we can start doing it from a young age, it gets easier as students get more familiar with doing it. So once they have that basic language in place, you can actually move on to these mathematical learning conversations. 
So how would a teacher use this kind of strategy in the classroom? Learning conversations happen in different ways depending on the context and the students. Sometimes you can have a learning conversation one-on-one. Sometimes you have it with a small group. Sometimes you can have it with a whole class. But it's a conversation about the strategies and how we're doing something, how we're finding an answer to a problem, what the different sort of strategies are that we can be using. Because often, well, always, there's more than one way to do things in maths. So how would parents adapt this? How can they adapt what they're doing to these learning conversations? The hardest thing to do, and we find this in teachers as well as in parents, is to stop telling students what to do and how to do it. And the questions we need to ask are the questions that start with why and how. Things like, how did you do that? Or why did you do that? Is there another way you can find an answer for that? Is that the only answer you can find? When students are starting out on a problem or are stuck on a problem, where do we start? What's the first thing you're going to do? There's always something there that you know, and you've got to find the something that you know and work from there. I know as a parent and from experience, the hardest thing is to get that first step done. What do you know? I don't know anything. (laughs) where do you start I don't know that's why I asked you (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes you need to be very direct in the questions when students giving you that sort of an answer okay what's this number what does that mean what's this symbol what does that mean so what does that tell us that we have to do if it's a worded type question get the student to read the question aloud and you can read it to them so that they hear it but then they need to read it aloud. Even the fact of reading aloud means that you're looking at all the words in the problem. Whereas when we read something silently to ourselves, it's easiest for us to skip over bits and think that we know what it means, but we're not always looking at it as accurately as a lot of maths questions require us to look at them. I think at this point too, it's really important to point out to parents that they have to be very careful that they don't pass on their own maths anxiety and their own negative attitude to maths to their children. It's okay for parents to say, I don't know. Oh, yeah. That needs to be followed up with, let's find out. Yes. And how can we find out? And that could be, do we need to ask your teacher? Do we need to Google it? Do we need to go back and look at the outlines of the work again and see what we're missing? I don't know how to do this, but I have the facilities to find out and so do you. So let's go. And just as an extension of that too, it's often the case that we tend to look at maths problems through the frame of the way that we learn at school. And it's a very common thing I've heard as a teacher to hear from parents, well, that's not the way I learned how to do it. And it's often an epiphany for us as teachers and certainly for students to find out actually there's often more than one way to solve a problem always more than one way to solve a problem and we've got to find the way that works for us and the way that works for me might be different than the way it works for you and that's okay. That point in itself is quite an eye-opener for a lot of, well, it's an eye-opener for a lot of teachers. I know that sometimes you'll be listening to the way students work through a problem and I've often said to my students, I would never have thought of doing it that way, but it works. Look at that. Look at look at Johnny's answer. He's just worked through the problem in a way I wouldn't have even thought of doing it and it worked beautifully. And that's a common thing that happens in classrooms when you're having these sorts of conversations with students and letting them develop ways that work for them. 
and shows a real understanding of the math that they are doing. You talked about asking effective questions and prompting questions. Do you want to tell us about open questioning and why that's really important in provoking students to think more deeply? Open questions are questions that require more than a simple one-word answer. Usually they're going to start with the why or the how. And by formulating answers to those sorts of questions, we're deepening thinking rather than just rattling off whatever the answer is to a question. One of the first ways I ask teachers to work with their students and I ask students is that when they're giving an answer to a question, give it in a full sentence. Even if it's something simple like what's four plus two, instead of just saying six, say four plus two is six. And then you can build off that and say, okay, well, what if we flip it around and it's two plus four? Is that the same? What other equations can we come up with using these numbers? You're actually taking a very straightforward linear question and blowing it open to get kids to really think from all angles about the numbers that are in that particular problem and and work with them differently. It's having that curiosity about what if, and kids are real good at it. So we need to encourage those kids to be going, what if? Another very popular prompt is, what do you notice and what do you wonder? Do Do you want to tell us about how parents can use those little prompts? What do you notice is one that I've picked up in the last few years. I've started using that one a lot in my classroom. I'll put something up on a board or on a bit of paper and say to them, what do you notice? And then it just starts focusing students on what they do know about a topic before they've even been told. Just before we closed down schools at the end of last term, my year 10s were working on indices. So I started off the lesson by just writing up, I think it was three to the power of four on the board and said to them, what do you notice? And from that discussion, we worked out that this part of the number is called the base, this part of the number is called the indice or the exponent or the power of, and that it means three times three times three times three. Why is it four lots of three? Because that's what that little number there is. So without me having to tell them and give them a whole lot of answers, they were coming up with the things that they already knew about the topic And I think sometimes parents really struggle with that. Why don't you just tell them? Because when they find out what they already know, they're already starting to build their confidence, even if it seems like it's a new topic. And there's always something that they know, even if they know, okay, that number's a three and that number's a four and there's a big number and a little number and that's when we get into the, okay, well, what do you wonder? I wonder why that little number is there. And so it leads to questions And I guess that leads to my next question. What can go wrong if we focus too much on explaining everything to the students at the outset? Number one is they switch off because they're not thinking. And if they switch off, they're not learning. So if we're focusing on explaining to students, maths becomes a memory game and they just have to remember what they've been told or remember what they've done in a workbook or remember the procedure that they've learned to solve a problem in a particular way. And then when they come across a problem, particularly in a test, and they can't remember, they've got nothing to fall back on to help them work out what they should be doing. If we train our kids to look at problems and work out, what do I know? What do I need to do? What's my first step of going to do it? Rather than just knowing, oh, this is the answer. This is how I get the answer. Then they've got a better set of skills behind them when they come across the unfamiliar problems or the harder problems and have better ways of being able to tackle those more complex problems. 
a little strategy that we've all become quite passionate about over the last five years is number talks. And most maths teachers would at least have heard of number talks and, and many, many maths teachers are now using number talk regularly in their classroom. But parents and caregivers may not have heard about these little strategies. What are number talks and, and how can they help us and our kids develop some of those talking and listening skills that are so important in maths? Number talks are, like I was talking about with my example with Freedom of the Power of Four on the board, we'll start with a prompt of some sort. And the first question is always, what do you notice? What's there in front of you? And then, okay, what does this make you think about? What do you know already? What don't we know that we need to find out? And it can work with pretty much all sorts of topics from the easy four plus three equal to complex problems in measurement or geometry or algebra. And Leanne, I know you're a big fan of Joe Bowler. Joe Bowler is one of the big proponents of number talks and using teaching routines for number talks. Where can parents and caregivers find out more about number talks? You go to the website YouCubed. We'll put it up in the show notes. Joe Bowler's got some fantastic videos. She actually shows what a number talk is, or you can just Google number talk and there are thousands of them online. And it's actually really interesting as a parent to do one of those number talks with your children. And I know if you go back to one of our multiplication episodes, Nadia talks about a number talk that she did with her daughter and talks about how she went from, I think the number talk was 18 times to five, and her daughter went from adding five 18 times to a far more complex strategy because of the number talks. So I'm a very big proponent of number talks and there are some fantastic references that we will put in the show notes. Sherry Parrish is the author of that book on number talks. And that's a terrific book. That is actually fantastic for preschool all the way up to year 10. Jack could be using them in her class. They start off with graduated. They might even have dot talks and that sort of thing. And then it moves on to far more complex number talks. So parents could use number talks if they've got multiple kids in the home. doesn't matter if they're different ages. They can still use number talks as a really simple, no fuss routine to get kids from a number of different age groups to start thinking about mathematics. Yeah, I'd say even better if they've got different ages because each child will use their own strategy appropriate to their year level and they can teach each other. And Jack, of course, it's always the case in classrooms that kids in the same year group are always at the same level in maths, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Always. You have a very broad range of levels in every classroom. And the benefit of maths talk is that everybody can learn from each other. And even students who think they don't know very much can say something which helps build their confidence. And sometimes looking at those easiest strategies also helps the students who think they know it all or think they know better or just want to do it the hard way Mm. Um, because it makes them go back and think about what are the steps. One of the questions I'd ask students and their parents can ask students when they're stuck on something is if you're going to explain this to a friend, what would you say? And if you take away that I'm thinking about it for me, I'm trying to tell somebody else what to do. For some students, that really helps clarify and sort out their ideas. So for parents, they can say, tell me how you do it, which also helps get over the it's not the same way as we did it. So long as they're getting an answer, the way that they do it, 
is valuable. That's right. And I think that leads to the next conversation. Well, what's the relationship between the way that mum slash dad adult does it and the way that the student does it? Because if you get the right answer, there's going to be a relationship between them. My sister was watching an Eddie Wu video the other day. She's got a daughter in year 10. And she said, Eddie Wu made me cry. And I said, why did Eddie Wu make you cry? She said, Eddie Wu said the most important question is why. And she said, I used to get kicked out of the class in year 10 for asking why. There are lists and lists and lists of questions that teachers can access and parents can access. So maybe we can find some of those lists and add them into the show notes. I know that the Resolve project has some good problem-solving links. Absolutely. We'll we'll make sure we pop a link to the appropriate part of the Resolve site, which is for parents and caregivers as well as teachers. Resolve is an Australian developed website, which has some amazing mathematical problem-solving material on it. It's a really, really good one. And also we'll put a link to a resource that's called 100 Good Maths Questions, I think it is. So we'll pop Mm -hmm. that one on the show notes as well. Well, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. You've been listening to Maths Talk by AMC Schools. My name's Leanne McMahon. I have with me my colleague, Marcus Garrett, and our good friend, ex-colleague, and now high school educator extraordinaire, Jacinta Blanco. Thanks for Matt's talking with me today, guys. You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for having us, Leanne, and thanks for coming in, Jack. That was really lovely to chat to you again. It's good to talk maths with friends and colleagues, and it's good for all of us to talk maths with the people we are working with, whether they be other teachers or with our students or with our own children. Good on you, Jack. The podcast notes from today's episode can be found on the AMSI Schools Teacher Support website, calculate.org.au. Accompanying the episode notes will be some useful links and resources for teachers, so you can explore the ideas we've discussed today in more detail. You can also follow us on Twitter at AMSI Schools or on Facebook by searching for Choose Maths. Tell us, what activities have you tried either with your own kids at home or as a teacher in the classroom that have really helped and encouraged your students to talk about and therefore think about their mathematics? And don't forget to join in with Cass Lowry and some of the AMSI Schools team in our weekly Twitter chat at 8pm Thursday nights. That's Sydney and Melbourne time. Just look for and follow the hashtag MathsTalk. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to like us. We can be reached via the email on the address choosemaths at amsi.org.au. Just pop Maths Talk and your name into the email subject bar and ask or comment away. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe to Maths Talk on Apple Podcast and follow us on Spotify if you're listening from one of those platforms. That way you'll get your new episodes straight to your inbox when they're released. Mm-hmm.